Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys and a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. We wrapped up our month of remakes. And that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I kind of wanted to jump in and do another month of remakes afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) But instead, what we did was we took a week off. (laughs) Yeah. And so we're coming to you this week. Uh, with a very current tribute episode. An actor who uh, probably all of you have seen in in big movies, Tom Sizemore, died of a brain aneurysm. Tom Sizemore has been in and out of movies since the late 80s. Um, He studied theater, but he really got his big break um, in Born on the Fourth of July, which I believe is an Oliver Stone film. Uh Then did this movie, which we're going to do today, called The Relic. Uh, And then the following year really hit it big with Saving Private Ryan. He was well uh, regarded in that. He, he did a few movies before that. He did like Passenger 57, I think, with Wesley Snipes and Point Break and, you know, some other big budget movies. But um, The Relic was his first big major screen role as far as being like a leading man. He plays yeah. the, the lieutenant detective in this alongside Penelope and Miller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From Saving Private Ryan on really popped in and out of movies quite a bit. Always usually playing the cop or the tough guy or uh-huh. these kinds of roles. And, you know, we might as well get it out of the way from the beginning. From what we can tell, Tom Sizemore was not always an outstanding citizen. Um, he struggled with drug abuse since he was 15, both methamphetamine and uh, heroin, I believe. And it seems like that never really left him. And uh, he was constantly in and out of rehab. Um, he had some domestic violence charges against him, including with Heidi Fleiss, <laughs> yeah. who he had a relationship with for a little while, the famous Hollywood mm-hmm. madam. And the reason I proposed The Relic was because I've actually been wanting to do this one on this podcast for years. <laughs> and it's just always in the back of my mind when I think about monster movies, because I saw this uh, when I was in college, because um, this was, what, 1997 film. This mm-hmm. was my freshman year in college. I remembered being quite surprised by how gory it was for a mainstream movie. There is some real gore and violence in this movie for something that, you know, played in the cinemas, you know, and was supposed to be a, a big a big blockbuster hit with these major stars in it. So um, I hadn't seen it since, and I just wanted to go back and revisit it and see, like, was this movie, you know, as good as, as, I, I, as, as impactful as I remembered it being? Definitely remembered it being shocking. Definitely remembered it being very satisfying as a creature feature. And so uh, I haven't seen it since 1997. And uh, here we are. I watched it today. How about you, Craig? Had you seen this before? I'm sure I had. Like, uh, 100% positive I had seen it before. I didn't remember anything about it. Aside from the fact that Tom Sizemore was in it and uh, Penelope and Miller. I remember that. That's it. And so... <laughs> I went back to look it up, and uh, I saw that Stan Winston does the creature effects, and I'm I'm in. Like that's all you. That's all you got to tell me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, exactly. I'm I'm here for it. I didn't really read much more about it before I started watching it, and then I watched it. I don't know, man. I don't. I just thought it was all right. <laughs> yeah. I'm a hundred percent with you on that. This is almost like every other movie from the '90s. <laughs> it kind of has that feel. Like these, all these big budget action movies were just like almost paint by numbers in some way. You know, in some way, shape, or form, they were all mimicking The Rock or or some Michael Bay movie. This movie being more of a horror creature movie, it just checks all the boxes, right? Kind of in an annoying way. Researcher, you know, is in the museum. It's a sort of dorky setting. when And, and there's a big gala opening the, ne- the next night. So when they find problems in the museum, they've got to, there's, there's all this pressure between the cops and the people in the museum. We've got to get our gala opening. Yeah, but we're not sure. It's not safe. Somebody just died there. And, well, you guys investigate the museum while we have our big gala. And we all know what's going to happen. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know? this, this movie is just basically arachnophobia in a museum. Yeah. With just one great big spider. <laughs> Beyond that, it's the exact same movie. <laughs> You're kind of right. You're kind of right about that. Yeah, it really is. Exotic monster gets transported in a crate to uh-huh. uh, a populated area, 
chaos ensues. The end. They're the same movie. (laughs) (laughs) It really is. Except in this case, instead of a dude who's freaked out by spiders, you have a guy who is extremely superstitious. Really superstitious, which is the dumbest plot point. It's so stupid. And it, we are repeatedly beat over the head by it in any oh way, my shape, God. or form. The name, the name of the gala is superstition. Like, yeah. what are the chances? I was trying to be nice by saying it was just all right. It's bad. This is a yeah. bad movie. I mean, it's not badly made. It's not badly made, and like, I really enjoy the setting of the Chicago Museum of Natural History. So that's cool. Yeah. It was filmed there, too. Uh-huh. It seems like... like, <laughs> But if you can see it, because the whole movie is so freaking dark. It is so dark that about a third of the way through, I thought, these people are raising money for the museum. They need to raise money for more lighting. Like, these people work in offices that are lit by little lamps and nothing else in the middle of the day. You know, yeah. <laughs> they're walking around in dark basements without ever flipping on the lights. Even the freaking gala is so dark that I'm like, you guys need to, like, turn some lights on before all of your patrons trip and fall down the stairs on their way in. It is insanely dark, this movie. And I know they're trying to, you know, they're trying to create this look and this feel, but the monster doesn't even come in until, like, three quarters of the way through. Yeah, it's It's almost two-hour movie. Monster doesn't come in until the next 20, until the last 25 minutes. See, that, and that, it's also... Alien. <laughs> yeah, right? It is. Because the, monster, <laughs> because the monster just lingers in the shadows mm. for the first two-thirds of the movie, and then you finally get to see it a little bit. Kind of grabs people left and right, kind of does a few little things, but you don't see the whole thing. And then finally you do. Now, when you do, it's... Even when you do, <laughs> it's hard to get a grasp on what this thing is, because... Even in the big shots, you know, where like the big reveal, right, where you see the monster in the middle of the gala in that giant open atrium space, I'm still like had to pause (laughs) and look at it like, what am I seeing here? None of it was quite clear to me. And that I found irksome. It actually pissed me off. (laughs) Well... It's supposed to be, like, the the plot point is, like, it's an amalgamation of things. Um, so, you know, I read about the design. Like, I think its face is supposed to be, like, a spider. It's got kind of, like, those pinchers, like, spiders have. Mm-hmm. And then... Big fangs and things. Yeah, and its body is supposed to be a mix of, like, a lion, a horse... And an alligator. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's got so fur it, and scales. <laughs> yeah, so it kind of has like it kind of has a lion's body with an alligator tail, tufts of fur all over, and it gallops like a horse. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. It's unique. I've and, and the concept is unique and um they did a lot of the creature effects practically but you're right it's so dark and i feel like they had to do so much in like extreme close-up that it was hard to even tell what you were looking at oh yeah and and then i I, like i think some of the close-ups on the monster's face were probably practical and that's that's great some of those were great there were some Mm -hmm. lingering close-up on the face scenes with the typical dripping fangs and things like that that were oh there was the Todd, the this alien, movie yes. steals from every other movie. There was that moment that was Alien 3 where yes. the xenomorph puts its face right up next to hers. I don't know which came first, but it was the exact f***ing scene. It was. <laughs> it was. It was the exact scene. Oh, God. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, it's not... Uh, the monster is fine. When you see it in full and it's running around or jumping around, it's CGI. The CGI is adequate. Like... It doesn't yeah. look terrible. It doesn't no, look CGI amazing. The CGI is totally fine because you can't even see, because everything's dark. It's really and That's dark. what makes the CGI great. This 1997 CGI was, was not usually that fantastic, but it, it works perfectly in this movie because everything's freaking dark. I, I'm sorry, I could not get over how dark this was when just two people are talking in a room. Like, one guy's face <laughs> will be almost entirely in shadow. The other woman's face will be almost entirely in shadow. I don't know how they're not tripping over each other. And it's the middle of the day in their office when they're supposed to be working and there are tons of people walking around. I well, mean, and it's it's the Chicago 
Natural History Museum. It, even the lady, what is her name? Dr. Green. You mean Margot? Margo, yeah. I here, this is so funny. Like in my notes I was calling her Margo, 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 and then I realized that I was calling all the men by their last names. Like, why is that, Craig? Why are you calling the only woman by her first name? She's a doctor. So so Dr. Green. You are a misogynist. <laughs> so Dr. Green, played by Penelope Ann Miller. I just want to call her Margo because that's how I wrote in the notes. Please well, do that. You can call her whatever you want. I don't care. Because <laughs> I mean, in my notes, I've also got Tom Sizemore's character down as Tommy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think people will know who we're talking about. She like alludes to, uh, they see she and Tom Sizemore, whatever his name is, De Augusta. And I had to type that out every time. Yes. That really pissed me off. That's why I called him Tommy. That's why he's Tommy in my notes. <laughs> I can't write that crap. <laughs> so so Margo and Tommy are in the lab. And first of all, it looks like the lower decks of like a, a ship like yes. <laughs> or, or something. A submarine. It's like Freddy's basement. <laughs> what? It's exactly right. <laughs> they see a penny on the, the ground. Only to establish that he's superstitious, which is stupid and makes no difference. This is the fifth or sixth time they've established it. The most laughable thing is when they find the ship pulling into the harbor. So there's a ghost ship that pulls into the harbor. Oh, but right. But some, something badly has happened. And I guess we'll, we'll get to this point in a minute. But, but anyway, like, there's a cat scare. What? Cat? You know, gave me a heart attack. Was it a black cat? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. And you see him like rubbing something in his finger like he's rubbing a trinket at the same time. So instantly, you know, the, like within five seconds of being this character, oh, he's superstitious because he asked about a black cat and he rubs this. And then it's like every little superstition you could chalk up, like he avoids walking under ladders and he tells people not to step over dead bodies. And every time, he, every time they're like, what? He goes, because it's bad luck. Don't you know that, you idiot? <laughs> God. Uh, and by the way, really, yeah. this is based on a book, and apparently in the book, the detective is the opposite. He is disdainful of superstition. That would make so much more sense. <laughs> As I was watching this, I just kept thinking, I bet the book was better. Right? <laughs> it seems like it. I don't know, because it's not a bad story. It's a simple monster movie story, but there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Hmm. It's just... Oh God! It's so. Oh, what I I never did finish that story. So they find the penny, and he's like, "Wait, is it heads up?" And she's like, "No, it's tails up." He's like, "Leave it there," and she's like, "Why?" He's like, "Cause it's bad luck." <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, she picks it up. She's like, "Sorry, every penny counts here." Like what? Like what? are you? You're funding your lab from the loose change on the floor. <laughs> That doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> There's a lot of silly cutesiness that, that often came up in these movies from the 90s, too. And Now, keep in mind, this movie was written by, like, four people. So the minute you see that on the screen, you kind of you temper your expectations. But I also loved the pair of cops who were constantly throughout the movie talking about coffee. <laughs> I didn't even know who they were. Was one of those the guy with the ruffles on his tuxedo? I think so, yeah. About? And the other guy was the black cop who gets it later. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I didn't even know who they were. Like, they just <laughs> showed up all of a sudden and were in their own movie. Like, yes. they were just <laughs> right. this, they were a buddy cop movie that happened to be happening at this gala. <laughs> and we just got to movie. see them, like, joking around. <laughs> You're so right. Talking about coffee. This coffee's terrible. Bitter. Very bitter. Looking very dapper tonight. Think so? Because I don't see too many other guys wearing these ruffles. Ah, uh, you look cool. <laughs> like, giving each other the shit, you know, like, oh man, I didn't know who they were. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know their names, it doesn't matter. I recognized one of them, the bigger, balder one, has played, oh, I think he was Whitney Houston's bodyguard in The Bodyguard. I just came up with that, but I'm pretty sure he was Kevin was. Costner. <laughs> <laughs> no, one of one of her original bodyguards that oh, stays okay. on. That stays on when Kevin Costner comes on. No, like, was it Kevin Costner? That would have been really good, though. 
That would have been even better if it was Kevin Costner. Oh, man. The uh. people who were considered for this movie, like Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. Oh, I know. Can you imagine? Yeah, they really wanted Harrison Ford for uh, oh. Sizemore's role. This is definitely more a Sizemore-type movie, really, I'm afraid. I don't know. I can't get a take on his character. Like, who is he? He's just like this rough cop. But on the one hand, don't they establish that like he's their very best detective, yeah. but for some reason nobody likes him? Like, what? Yeah. Like, he's, like, he's the best. But his job is in jeopardy. Like, I don't understand. It's always the way, right? He's the tough, gritty, no-nonsense, super skeptical guy who, you know, is never quite convinced that they found the answers and is gruff and orders people around. So nobody likes him, but they tolerate him because he gets the job done. Except he's not so skeptical as to be wildly superstitious to the point where this, like, seems to freak him out like a phobia. It's pretty stupid. (laughs) <laughs> well, especially when you consider they completely flipped it for the movie. Like, what were they thinking? Were they thinking this I, would be cute know. or something? Or this would make him more vulnerable? I don't know. Tom Sizemore was so excited about this role because as soon as he got started, he was working with, like, top-tier directors. And, and you know, so he had had some good experience or whatever, but this was his first lead, and he was so excited about it. And he was excited, mm-hmm. you know, that he got to play a character who really drove the plot forward. <laughs> and I feel like I can tell in his performance that he was taking it really seriously, but right. it almost comes across as melodramatic, both him and Penelope Ann Miller, who I like. Yeah. I really do like Penelope Ann Miller. But they are acting like the rent is due and they have to give every last ounce of their soul. Penelope Ann Miller is in full on like... uh, What is she doing? It is crazy (laughs) pants. I straight up laughed out loud. There is one one part where (laughs) she is very much aware that a crime has been committed. She is on a crime scene and <laughs> Sizemore <laughs> Sizemore and the other cops are in the bathroom where this guy this janitor has gotten his head chopped off and his brain sucked out and the, like the head and the brain and the body are all in different places there's blood everywhere and Sizemore and his guy are like talking about it and Penelope and Miller rounds the corner talking like she's going to ask a question sees the body and has a full out panic attack like <laughs> <laughs> scream shrieks at the top of her lungs like yeah. <laughs> is paralyzed in fear and continues screaming for a fit like 15 seconds it was embarrassing get her out of here and i laughed out loud it was and and it happened two or three more times like it happens when she's being pursued by the monster. And don't get me wrong, like, you're going to shriek and be upset when you're being pursued by a monster. But I just couldn't get the image of my mind of her in, like, the bus stop in Adventures in Babysitter. <laughs> right. It was, like, that same overacted, wide-eyed, like, oh, my yes. God, kind of yes. thing. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Eyes as wide as they can be. And honest, in that moment, like, she's getting chased by this rhinoceros-sized <laughs> monster. Uh, so I, I, I honestly had the thought go through my mind, like, Craig, if you were being chased by a rhinoceros-sized monster, your face would probably look stupid. <laughs> Don't be critical. <laughs> Dr. Green is doing the best you can. Oh, my God. Okay. So, like, I, what I'm getting at is it's a bare-bones story. Again, it's a uh, monster movie, so that's fine. But there are a hundred characters... You don't learn anything about any of them. They each have one personality trait, and it's too long. <laughs> it's two it's hours long. long. Oh, God. I couldn't believe. Like No, it's like an hour and 43 minutes, right? Well, I have an hour. Or 49 f- minutes, oh, but it felt like two and a half. I could not believe how There's long it was. So, it, I, and how long it felt. There is so much buildup. Like, the, well, the, it starts out interesting, and they, they get through the very first part really quickly. There's this scientist. He's, like, in the Amazon. He's, like, studying native rituals. They make him some hallucinogenic tea, and he drinks it, and he gets, you know, really scared by this native guy in, like, a beast costume. And then the next time we see him, he is frantic 
trying to get crates that he has loaded onto a ship to go to Chicago. He's mm. trying to get the crates off. And they're like, sorry, we can't get the crates off. It's too late. And he's like, oh. Is that what he was trying to do? Yeah, he was trying to get them off. Oh. But they're like, sorry, no deal. And he's like, okay, darn. And he went and he hid and he somehow secretly boarded the boat. And when he got on the boat, he started looking and looking and looking but he couldn't find what he was looking for. And so then the camera shows us that some of the crates had been left on the dock. So the crates that he was looking for were actually left back, but he had gotten on the boat. Yeah. Uh, you know, this movie is simple in story, but very convoluted on the details. I had to read about this. I don't know. I'm still so confused. I, I mean, I, I, I think I know what happened. The museum in... But, but here, real yeah. quick. If you know what happened, just help me help me out with this. Did he want what was in the crates for himself? Did he want the Chicago crates on board the ship? Did he want the Chicago crates off the ship? And did he want those crates to go to Chicago or to never make it to Chicago? I couldn't figure any of that out. He wanted out. them not to go to Chicago, and he needed what was in the crates. Because I think that the museum ends up getting everything. Yes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But the relic, the relic is in one shipment, and the box, a different box, is in the other one. And this box is full of leaves, and they're like, "Well, what's packed in it?" Like they assume that the leaves are just like the packing material, which would make sense. Um, they're like, "I don't know, maybe it never got packed or whatever." Um, but then Doctor Green notices there's like caviar <laughs> on on yes. the uh, on the leaves. <laughs> Like, just taste it. Just taste it. You know what it is. It's obvious to all of us. Come on. And she's like, oh, what's this? And her wheelchair doctor friend, the some the old guy, uh, Albert Frock, played by James Whitmore, who's an old guy that I've seen in a million places. I didn't even bother to look. I'm like, oh, yeah, that old guy. I've seen him everywhere. <laughs> that old guy. I mean, he's what, Brooks, the, the dude on the Shawshank Redemption yeah. who can't hack it outside of prison because he's been there so long. I love I, that. Man. Great. He's a, he's so great. good in he's that a... movie. Breaks your heart. Mm -hmm. But she's like, look, there's... Why, why don't... She says, are these eggs or something? And he's like, I don't know, maybe fungus. Look at it later. Burn it all. He says burn yeah, it all. Yeah, burn it all. But she like looks at him. Oh, right. And he's like, well, you know, whatever. And she puts like a handful of the leaves with the fungus in a cooler so that she can examine it later with her very extremely fancy genetic sequencing machine or whatever that she she alone apparently has developed but needs more research funding in order to further develop right and runs on like a commodore 64 <laughs> <laughs> with with perfect like abs it looks like a 90s website what this uh <laughs> <laughs> it looks like it screen. looks like what yeah what popped up when you put in like the AOL disc. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, was, I was expecting like animated gifs of atoms to be spinning or something when she analyzed one of these things. Oh my god, it's like, it bothered me because she she has this leaf and it's clearly got this crap all over it and. <laughs> This can't have been intentional, but like she touched the leaf with her hand and then immediately scratched herself. I'm like, you're a you're a doctor, ma'am. Like, <laughs> you yeah, we're gonna know. start calling you Margot. And and she <laughs> she like her job is to like identify unidentified species or or something. And you know they're dealing with they're dealing with fungus and viruses, and there is no protocol in this in this <laughs> lab at all. And it, at one point, a bug, like a little tiny bug, gets in her cooler of leaves. And the next time she opens her refrigerator, the cooler falls out and it jumps out and it's like the size of a schnauzer. Right. And then she smashes it and then is like, well, this is fascinating. What, what Let me investigate that? it. Instead of like, holy fucking shit, there's a giant bug mm -hmm. that probably nobody has ever seen before. C can you come in here and have a look at this? What do you suppose this is? Like, what? Are we just killing time here? <laughs> I don't know. It was really, it was boring. So they, she, you know, runs it through her salad spinner and it turns out it's got like reptilian DNA. It's a blend. It's a mutt of uh, a bunch of different things. Yeah, a few different things. And so they figure out it all is connected to this relic that was supposed to be 
you know, this shrine to this god, like Cthogo or something. And it's like this destroyer god, like destroyer of civilizations or something. And it was all parts of all different beasts. And there's this one scientist. I feel so bad for this actress. There is one scientist who we check in on periodically, like every 10 minutes throughout the movie, just dusting away at this statue. And that's all she ever does. <laughs> and like... And it takes forever. <laughs> it takes forever. And she's very intense at it, right? And she's she is- doing it like with a, like a like a mascara brush. Like, <laughs> it's not dramatic at all. But we have to is- be reminded that she's constantly doing it so that about two-thirds of the way through the movie, it can be done and then we can never see her again. Yeah, or... What's the point? There's no connection. Like, I never got... I thought, is this a mystical thing? Like, it once this is put together, is there going to be some kind of spirit released or something? I mean, that's that the intensity made of which sense. it keeps ominously cutting back, back to her, like, in the darkness with the camera swooping around. And once again, I'm still like, I'm pretty sure she would need more light, not less, to be able to put this thing together properly. But okay, it's dramatic. And then it just is in the superstition exhibit. Like, they always planned for it to be there, even though it clearly arrived in pieces, like, a day before the gala. Oh, yeah, there's a whole, yeah, it's got a whole setup for it. Yeah. It would only make sense if you we are paying so much attention to this shrine. I guess the reveal is kind of what it looks like. Be- it, there should be some connection. There should be some sort of mystical connection between the shrine and the beast. But there's not. There's no. not at all. They just happen to both be there. Well, this is one of those points where you just figure the book is probably better because the book probably has... There has to be. Of this in there, yeah. And then, so it's a bunch of, like, the monster is surreptitiously, like, killing people. It kills the guy in the bathroom. (laughs) All you see, you know, this guy just wants to smoke a dube in the bathroom, you know, Mm -hmm. just doing his own thing, gets, you know, ripped out uh, from under there and... The, you said it was gory. I don't know. I, it is. It is, but I feel like I didn't oh, even notice because, um, <laughs> I don't know, it just felt a little silly. <laughs> Not any sillier than anything else we've seen, but this monster's M.O. is that it rips its victims' heads out and then somehow like stamps a huge hole in the back of their head and sucks their brains out so that it can eat their hypothalamus. And, and leave the rest. And... <laughs> If you want to enjoy this movie, take a shot every time they say hypothalamus, and at the end, you'll be dead. <laughs> I'm not sure I've ever heard hypothalamus being uttered in any other movie in my entire life, and I think that's because this film took it all. <laughs> and every it just time. sucked the word hypothalamus out of every movie in history and planted it in the I, script. I, I, I have visions of them, like having to do uh like retakes with tom size my hypothalamus i don't know why i just have this idea that he would struggle with that word what was that word again hypothalamus yeah but i don't know I, and I don't. I don't mean. To, I'm not trying to rag on Time Sizemore. I didn't chime in when you said something before. Yeah, he had his struggles, um, but his struggles were mostly self-destructive. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that they affected the people around him, as addiction always does. But addiction is a disease, and you can't blame a person really for that. I'm sure he made some poor choices. So have I. Yeah. He, I, I really do think he's a really a fine actor. You're right. He always kind of played the same role, but that's the role he aspired to. Um, yeah. Those are the roles that he, you know, grew up watching the tough guys in these movies, and that's what he wanted to play. Um, and, and he usually did. Another role, a movie that I remember him from was um, Heart and Souls. I think I've mentioned it before. It's a Robert oh, early yeah, Robert yeah. Downey Jr. movie. That's a cool one. My mom loved that movie. Yeah, it's a sweet little rom-com kind of movie, and he's in that. Um, And he plays a a similar kind of tough guy, but, you know, a tough guy with a soft heart. And uh, he was cute. And he's done other good stuff. I I saw him, um, he did, at the height of, like, exploitation reality TV. Not that it's not still, but, like, back in the days of, like, extreme makeover in the swan in those days. He did one of those celebrity rehab shows oh dr drew right i think i I, yeah but anyway some show where he openly discussed 
his uh, issues. And, you know, when he was sober, he definitely had a temper, but he was also, you know, detoxing and stuff. But he seemed like a very thoughtful, intelligent, uh, empathetic person. But, you know, he was just obviously a person who was struggling. So if I make any jokes at his expense, I do it in good humor because uh, I do think the guy was a good actor. Uh, it's unfortunate that... Um, he had those struggles. And and I know that there were times in his life where he would get clean for periods of time and his friends and the people he worked with would staged interventions and there were people out there who really cared about him and wanted him to get better and but addiction is addiction's a bitch. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's it's tough. So Yeah, I mean my heart goes out to the guy. I didn't mean to sound like uh, I thought he was a, an asshole. No, no, you were actually <laughs> you were covering <laughs> you were covering for me because when we talked about it, I said I don't know, you know, Tom uh, Sizemore's got kind of a sordid past, and I just didn't. I, I feel like we have to acknowledge it if we're going to talk about him, as we always well, talk sure. about these people and their yeah. lives. But I, I also don't want to linger on it. It, it, yeah. it doesn't have to define him. You know, he was a he was a fine actor as well. Anyway, so then he comes in and he's doing this investigation, and that like at first there's a body here and there. I need you to clarify something for me because there's a whole subplot where these two young runaway boys yes decide to run away from school and so to <laughs> they run away the from school to go to the museum <laughs> what <laughs> i'm not positive about this but i think it was a school field trip to the museum they were planning to run away from the museum trip to go to like a bar or so, or do something else but and they the other didn't. kids like no 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 they'll catch us so they ended up going on the field trip, but I think the implication, although once again, it's it's like it's like blink and you miss it, right? They decide to stay overnight. Yeah, I, I mean, I saw, but I didn't even like. I guess they just linger around till it closes because they hear there's nothing like it doesn't show us any of this. All it is is you know we've got all we got them and you know they kind of introduce us to. Penelope Ann Miller's character because they, in a very awkward scene that made no sense, just randomly wander up to her and stare at her while she's putting her bike up. Like, oh, she's hot or something? <laughs> Underneath her sunglasses and all this stuff? I, I didn't get it. Hey, didn't your parents teach you not to stare? Didn't yours teach you not to get dressed in the street? Good morning, Dr. Green. Morning. Doctor? What kind of a doctor are you? I'm an evolutionary biologist. What's that? Someone trying to figure out where our tails went. I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> I see how we're going to do exposition in this movie. Thanks, Dr. Green. And then she walks in there. They walk in there. And then there's all this crap with her and and everything that happens. And then suddenly there's a, you know, this, the museum's closing. And she's sending everybody home. And she's still working late at night diligently like researchers in this movie do. And... There's a shot of the atrium and the dark, and we just hear. I don't. I couldn't even see them, but we heard the kids talking, almost like a voiceover, right? Oh, it's really scary in here. Well, what do you expect? We're here, you know, late at night, and everybody else has gone home. You think they're going to catch us? No, nah, nobody's going to catch us in here. Oh, okay. Well, these are going to be our first victims. That's going to be bold. Were you, you know? Well, or, but that's the thing. We see them again later. They're going to be the kids that get wrapped up in it, you know, somehow. And, like, you know, they're going to follow them through the movie. But that's, but, but that's my, my question is, there's that scene. And I could see it okay. Um, because, you know, they're, they're in this huge hall. There are no other people there as it's closing, apparently. But it's, the, like, the huge place with, like, the big dinosaur in the middle. Like, it's this huge atrium or whatever. All the dioramas and yeah, glass around huge. them and stuff. Yeah, it's cool. So they're in there, they're looking around, and then they're like, well, I guess we're going to stay the night. <clears throat> okay. Um, and then we're away from them for a while, and then we come back to them, and they're, like, behind the scenes. They're, you know, in the stairwells where the labs are. Like in the basement or something. And... They smell something bad, and everybody smells something bad when the creature's around. It must stink. Um, so they smell something bad, and then they hear something, like a roar or something, and then it cuts away from them, and then I don't recall ever seeing them again. We see them one more time. It's the same night. The guy gets killed, and you know the security guard smoking the dube in the, in the toilet gets killed. Uh, and then suddenly the cops are there. And we see the two kids huddled with blankets or whatever. Oh. And they usher the kids out. Okay. And I thought, 
maybe the kids discovered the body and they're the ones who called the cops or they just I, I didn't I didn't get the kid thing at all how they were connected to it but then now they're gone I don't know if the kids saw something and got spooked and that's another thing but like who knows because that's all it's like they're deleted scenes with these kids I, I, yeah I, maybe they're I don't, I don't know I don't know it was weird I I missed that I missed the part where they were outside safe I didn't know what happened to them mm-hmm. but that's uh, and Tom Sizemore is investigating and he thinks it's a serial killer when they have a body. I don't even remember whose body they have. The the janitor or something, I guess. Um, but it is evident that this was an animal attack. Like, <laughs> and he, there's no question. No, there's no question. And he even says something like to the, I don't know to the 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 zany <laughs> coroner or whatever she is, the lady who's um, preparing the body. She's she's real funny. I like that bit. It, yeah. And he says so. He's like, "What could have done this?" She's like, "Something big." Like, <laughs> but then he just goes on investigating it as though it is an insane person. Yes, um, that is killing people, and they eventually find some. It's 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 a fake out scare. I mean, it is a good jump scare, but they're like searching through the basement, and they've got these dogs. And first, they find a guy. Like a, a guy jumps out. And one of the cops shoots him like 15 times. Um, and I was like, <laughs> he just shot a vagrant. <laughs> yeah. But apparently it's okay because apparently this matter. apparently this vagrant was a convicted rapist and a suspected serial killer who I, who just happened. But then hiding out in the basement. There was some, <laughs> the didn't they also say like he had some connection to the boat that, we, we I skipped the all the dead people on the ship. When the ship arrived, everybody on it was dead. Yeah, and their brains sucked With out, their and their hypothalamus. <laughs> I love it. Later in the movie, Penelope and you know, it's one of those moments in the in the lab where they're putting two and two together, and I can't remember the exact line, but she says something like. Oh yeah, they're examining it. She and the and the I know I'm jumping ahead, but I just got to get this out. She and the dude in the wheelchair are like looking at you know what they're getting from the the examination of the beetle, and she says this thing, this thing has all these different things in it. It's got this and it's got that and it's got reptile and and some some other one. We're not sure what. And the guy looks at the paper and he's like, "This is odd." All of the chemical properties in here are also what you would find in the hypothalamus. <laughs> and she says. Do you think there might be some connection between that and the, the, the I'm like, no, absolutely no connection. <laughs> it must be a pure coincidence. And her face, her face is like, I think you might be onto something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's very common murder technique, you know, to rip people's brains out and take their hypothalamus away. Oh God. And they, they, they know that they're taking the hypothalamus out because when the coroner goes to weigh the brain, she's like, wait a minute, this thing's light, even for a man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that coroner, she's got jokes. She has got she jokes. I liked oh, her. Yeah. She was hilarious. I, uh, did I read that this was her last film? I don't uh, know. I didn't know who she was. She's funny. Um, there's other good people in this movie too. The the the, the lady in charge of the um, museum. Her name is Dr. Cuthbert, and she's yes. played by she's played by Linda Hunt. I love Linda Hunt. Like. She's great. <laughs> Who doesn't love her? And the great thing about her is she can have the same outfit and and hairstyle and glasses in every movie she's uh-huh, in. Uh huh. It's like they they write these roles for her. It's fantastic. Yeah, she's great. Like <laughs> I don't even know. Like in the things that I I, I she's in so many things. Um, yeah. And God. she, I, I've never even seen Harold and Maude, but I think that's her big. That's her like big movie. Well, I guess she was in Kindergarten Cop uh, oh, with she Penelope was. Ann Miller before That's this. Right. Yeah, the, she played the principal. Mm-hmm. She was uh, she was good. That's such a stupid movie. Funny. I love it. <laughs> and uh, I this is another terrible movie. She was in She Devil with Roseanne Barr and Meryl Streep. Oh God, that's a movie. That movie's horrible. <laughs> it's so bad. It like oh. I, that to me. That's a movie that's so bad. It's good. I just revel in in watching Meryl Streep in that movie because I can't imagine who tricked her into being in that movie. <laughs> and she gives it everything she's got. She still does a good job. It's campy and fun. 
I, it, but it is. It's a terrible movie. But it's hilarious. That one played on like HBO or cable or something a lot. Like, all the time. Oh, I recommend it. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> like you want to laugh. <laughs> you want to laugh. I mean, it's billed as a comedy, but not that kind of comedy. It's, it's a dark comedy. <laughs> it's it's pretty hilarious. Okay, so anyway, I guess we're bored with this movie. I am. Right. Um, they they they're looking around for the monster. Blah 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 blah. The bodies keep piling up. They killed that vagrant, but but Tom Sizemore is still convinced that it's got to be him. Until then, the mo- they finally just find the monster. Like yeah, <laughs> eventually. They look hard enough. They get deep, deep, deep into the bowels <laughs> yes, right. of the building, and uh, they have dogs. And the dogs smell the stink and go chasing. And it kills one of the dogs and throws the body at its feet, their feet, and then uh, kills one of the cops. Oh, um, it's so great! I, I love this that they're down in the sewers below the museum. And at one point, somebody says, "Did you know that these sewers go all the way to Lake Michigan?" And he's like. Wait a minute. Do you mean to tell me that if someone was on a boat in Lake Michigan, they could come through the sewers to the museum? Like, yeah, they could. This is so dumb. And, and why would the monster do this? This is the other part I don't understand. I guess it needed to find the crates and it knew that they were at the museum. And so it went through the tunnels to I didn't get to the museum because it either. also knew that there were tunnels there. And what did it need in the crates? I, I don't know. Did it need to be by its relic? It needed though the it was a protein. Whatever she found in those eggs, um, that fungus or whatever it is, has animal hormones, not protein, hormones. It's got hormones in it. And we get uh the the old guy in the wheelchair tells us he's like, Oh, the legend must have been based on truth. Okay, so these native people there's this plant or something. I don't know where this hormone comes from. They get it from the, the, these leaves, I guess. And if they feed it to an animal or something, then the animal will turn into one of these big beasts. Mm-hmm. And uh, they can keep giving it the protein cause it, or the hormones because it needs the hormones to stay alive. But then when they want to use it to attack an enemy, they'll stop giving it the hormones and then they'll go into hiding so it doesn't know where they are and then it will kill all of their enemies to eat their hypothalamus <laughs> wow how did and you did you have to read about this or did you know he explained no he explains it in all the detail that i am when he was explaining it i was just like you know what i, I, I don't even care because <laughs> i couldn't figure out what the hell he was talking about it was so convoluted and it all comes at once and there's your explanation. Uh-huh, and it was right. like he just figures out the whole thing in an <laughs> instant. And so then and so then they the the natives who released the beast, then they just stay in hiding so it can't eat their hypothalamus and eventually when it doesn't have any more of that hormone, it will die. And so now I don't understand how this happened. I guess it's because he drank the tea with the eggs in it. The scientist from the beginning is the monster. Yeah, he's one of the pieces. Yeah, there's he's he's the the human element that comes out. And, and I right, and I I think he was looking desperately looking for that crate because maybe if he could have kept eating the hormone, then he wouldn't have turned into the monster. But oh. the, but then he turned into I don't I don't know I don't know you'd have to read the book for that I think I I guess but he didn't get it and so he turned into the monster but I I think maybe that explains how the monster would know I guess maybe the scientist knew that there were these tunnels well the scientist definitely recognizes her oh my god <laughs> we get our alien three scene later that's that's the thing so like it begs the question so they they she gets somehow like the the monster literally goos under a door and she scoops yeah. up she scoops up some of the goo and puts it in her salad spinner and it like it takes a while but it eventually tells her that it's like 33 percent human and it it says 33% human. And she looks at the old guy and she's like, are you telling me that this thing is part human? And he's like, no, I'm telling you that it's more than part human. <laughs> like, 
33%. And, and I love how, like, the, the machine, I guess, has to spin for a while to give her all the complete information. And our big reveal is when she ends up back in the lab after they get chased away from the monster, you know, the, the monsters chase them to the lab, but they kind of barricade against the door. And like you said, it goes under and whatnot. She comes back in to look at the computer, and the computer has finished its calculation. And not only does it tell us it's human, but it tells it, it's it's sophisticated enough to tell us exactly who it is. Yeah. <laughs> Give us a picture, uh-huh. his personal information and everything. This computer was way ahead of its time and she definitely should have gotten her grant for this. Which begs the question, is he still in there? And I believe that they answer that question for us when uh, first of all, the cheapest fucking gala in the history of the world is happening upstairs. Like they are <laughs> in the food. <laughs> they are in, they are in this beautiful, the, I, I briefly, briefly lived in Chicago. I never went to the natural history museum, but it's gorgeous. Uh, just seeing oh, yeah. it here. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful set. It's awesome. They wanted to film in New York in the uh, Natural History Museum there, but they, I guess in the book, the administration of the museum is portrayed poorly, so they didn't want to do it. Um, the Chicago Museum jumped at the opportunity. But it looks great, except for there's this gala set up in the back that looks like a high school prom. Yes. <laughs> and, like, it's the dumbest thing I've ever, or like a... a a haunted house in a frat house. Like, right. this is what it looks like. Like, the whole city is there. It is a black tie affair. It's been a huge deal. Like, they have to have this gala. If they don't have this gala, civilization as we know it will fall apart. That's what that's <laughs> this is to them. They practically say it, yes. <laughs> the most important thing ever. To the point where the, the oh God, what that scene where the mayor of Chicago calls. The cop personally to tell him that he better not stop the gala from happening. It's so embarrassing. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) I want to play that whole scene right here so people can laugh at it. This is Mayor Owen. What's your first name, Lieutenant? Vincent. May I call you Vincent? Sure. Good. You can call me Your Honor. Tell you what, Vincent. Looking forward to this gala tonight. My wife is, too. She bought a killer dress that shows off her cleavage. Did you ever see my wife's cleavage? Can't say that I have, Your Honor. Well, you're one of the few people in the city of Chicago who hasn't. That cleavage helped get me elected. I bet you don't know what to say. No, sir, I don't. So the thing is, Vincent, this gala tonight is very important. It's important to the museum. It's important to my wife. It's important to the city. And it's real important to Mr. and Mrs. Blaisdell. You know who they are? No. Well, they're good friends of mine. Real good friends. They're good friends of the city. Real good friends. It's so embarrassing. And then there's like a re- like they redeem the mayor at the end. Like the mayor sticks up for the cop. Like yeah, leave Ugh. that guy alone. Like what? You're you're an asshole. Like you're the dude. <laughs> this is all your oh. fault. Oh. None of this would have happened if it weren't for you specifically. Oh God. And my my favorite part is when they know that there are dead people. Like and and all the cops like storm the 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 people who are wet soaking wet because they've been down in the basement they've seen the monster they're like there's danger we've got to get out of here and they're like we can get out we can go through these tunnels and these rich assholes are like no i'm not going (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) and like the cops are so concerned if i were those cops i'd be like fine fuck you then come on like (laughs) right Uh, but they they like beg and plead with them to come and some of them end up staying back some of them go just so we can get monster attacks in both locations and i those are fun and exciting i guess you know a big cgi monster storming around the museum breaking stuff chasing people but this monster is everywhere and it's down in the lab and then in the next shot suddenly it's in the atrium and there's these huge there's this huge scene when they finally get attacked the rich people in the atrium stood behind that's the place where the douchebag people kind of get it right yeah and at the same time the cops are rappelling down you know like worms on a hook for this thing and it's grabbing the cops and you get this really impressive scene and I that was my favorite part I think it was done with miniatures right where you know you just see full on it's not dark at all anymore uh, that monster grab one of those guys from one of those wires that he's dangling from clamp his jaw around his head rip his head off and toss it aside and then leap over it this lasts for like 
a good five seconds. Yeah, it was a good sequence. It is a good sequence, and it is gory. I mean, that is, you do not see something that explicit and that gory usually in a mainstream yeah. movie like this. So, the, you know, there are all this stuff going down, and I re- then there's a bit where they pull one guy up, and he's, like, screaming and screaming and suddenly stops screaming. Oh, you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Up on the roof, they pull him finally out of the skylight, and it's just half his body, mm-hmm. right? And then, what are they doing? Now the monster's gone, and it's chasing people down in the sewers. Like, how did the monster... Get from there to the sewers, then to the lab, then back there. What are the cops doing in the meantime? Because this place locks up like it's like a freaking nuclear facility. Like they have state secrets in this place. That's the right. security system. And who <laughs> who did that? The the ghost from Death Spa? Like, right. why? <laughs> That's right. The machine just goes haywire, right? Yeah, like for uh, for no explained reason. Like the whole security, they're like, "Oh no, the whole system is freaking out." Why? Everything's tripping at once. Why? That's a very good question. <laughs> but I, I want to blame the ghost from Death Spa. <laughs> That's a perfect explanation. Oh, God. Oh, I would rather be talking about Despa. I know. The movie also <laughs> tries to be Jurassic Park. Yes. In, in that, like, it's got some guys in the control room, and it's got, you know, the guards, and then it's got, you know, like, the lady doctor. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's so it's she you know she's like a scientist you know it's it's so it's Jurassic Park too and um, but it's it but it also tries to be Jurassic Park by giving us kind of quirky characters but that works so well in Jurassic Park yeah like you know with Nedry and and uh, Samuel L. Jackson like these these little side characters are interesting here they're not like there's this dumbass. Uh, scientist oh. who is like Penelope Ann Miller's rival or something and he's just this Weasley little guy and from the time he's introduced I'm like oh my god just the monster eat him already like <laughs> <You're right. laughs> he's introduced as bait basically yeah oh my yeah. god he has more screen time than the monster I'm like I hate this guy stop yeah. uh, and, and then there's the buddy cops uh, doing their thing and it's just I don't know it feels like there's a bunch of different movies there are there are literally Literally, like four or five different movies going on. They really are. Uh, Then I don't know. This is stolen from another movie too. Eventually, it chases Penelope and Miller all over the place. I was really disappointed that they took the time earlier in the movie to show us a huge tank of flesh-eating beetles, and then nothing else happened with that. Yes. I, I guess there was a deleted scene. Somebody got eaten by the beetles, but they decided it was too gross and so they cut it but uh if they cut that they should have cut the introduction of the beetles because i wanted them yeah, to eat somebody we're waiting for that it chases her all throughout and like there's a scene where she runs through 15 doors <laughs> and then <laughs> right. the thing comes charging through busting through those doors one by one it looks great um it looks a lot like the faculty but uh then she spills all the chemicals i don't know what happens but it eventually it, it, it gets to that Alien 3 scene where she's pinned up against a wall and the thing is right in front of her and she says I know who you are and then I guess the scientist is still inside of him of the monster because it licks her boobs what <laughs> like- yeah it felt really out of place in this movie the thing is, like, if it had showed its humanity by, like, licking her face or something, which I think happens in Alien 4, that may have been something. But it very deliberately licked her breast in a lascivious way. Like, mm-hmm. oh, so this scientist was a perv, too? Like, right. <laughs> is and that the point? Without respecting the audience enough to even set up that he might have been this kind of guy like we don't know this guy that's the problem right well, right or like, if it were like if it were a hollow man situation where they had a history yeah that's what i mean yeah but no it's not there there's nothing there's no character development or like you know that she had alluded to a relationship between them or right. she talked about how he harassed her at work a lot or something like that right oh no, no. it licks her it yeah. licks her boobs oh my yeah. god i don't know and then she blows it up well she gets all walter white with the chemicals and puts something t- magical together in a jar with a bunch of stuff real quick that she can toss at it 
So after it licks her, the elevator comes just in time. So she's able to toss this thing at it as she ducks into the elevator, which ignites all the flames in the place. And now she has a giant flaming monster coming after her when she gets down to the ground floor. So then she jumps into this giant, it looks like a big metal dumpster, but at the same time at the beginning of the movie that they had been setting up the beetles, they were talking about the process by which they deal with the, the animal remains that come in. And so it's like a rhinoceros, and they're throwing into this large thing that is a maceration tank, they call it, which is supposed to be some chemicals that eat, sort of like dissolve the flesh and stuff off of the animals to a point where then they can release the beetles onto it, where the beetles will strip it all completely down to the bone and you know, just get every tiny little piece. So the minute she leaps into this maceration tank, I'm thinking, oh shit, like this went from bad to worse, right? But no. She's in yeah. the maceration tank, you know, she screams fuck you at it, closes the door. By this time, the monster hasn't outrun the explosion, and he explodes into a million pieces, but she's safe inside the tank. Yeah, a metal tank full of water, she's fine, like... This is honestly, like, really silly. Like, this whole sequence when she gets down to the ground floor, and the monster's on fire, and it's chasing her. I mean, it looks fantastic, but... It's dumb. It's dumb. Like, it's, no no animal that is entirely engulfed in flame, every square centimeter of its body engulfed in flame is going to be chasing somebody. Like, it's just it's stupid. Yes, absolutely not. And not only that, but it's one of these weird movie things they do where the explosion is coming down the hall. Mm. Like, explosions do that, which they don't. But this is a small room. It, it wasn't that big of a room. But to go across this whole room, this monster is running towards her, and this explosion is behind the monster. And this is like 10 seconds of her outrunning the monster, the monster outrunning this explosion while it's on fire. She leaps into it, and finally the explosion catches up. But it's not in slow motion, you know? I mean, it's like, this is really slow-moving flames. It just kind of defies all physics. In the middle of it, it was so long that in the middle of it, I was like, wait a minute. All of this is ridiculous. I had time to think that. But yeah, I don't know why her flesh didn't get eaten off at least a little bit while she was in the maceration. I don't, think it, I, I don't think it's chemicals. I think basically what they do is they cook the meat off the bones. Um, so I think it's just, I think they just like boil it until the flesh comes oh, off. Oh. <clears> because okay. she, she called it like rhinoceros soup. She said, what, what's the soup of the day? And the lady's like, rhinoceros soup. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I think they just cook right. it. Whatever. I don't know. Yeah. And then it cuts to outside and the cops are there and some stupid cop is like, I don't even remember who it was. Maybe somebody's like, that Degusta's gonna pay for this. And the mayor's <laughs> like, hey, you leave that guy alone. And then he gives Augusta a look, and they nod at each other, and then they walk away. <laughs> and then that's the end. It yeah. was really dumb. Like was really there was stupid. just no uh, no characterization at all. Um, the characters were entirely flat. The acting, uh, and again, honest to God, I, I like both these people. I like Tom Sizemore, and I like Penelope Ann Miller. I don't think Penelope Ann Miller is some kind of like. Oscar-worthy actress, but she's worked for a long time, and yeah. I've seen her in a lot of things that I've enjoyed her in. I liked her in Kindergarten Cop. I, there's been a lot of things that I... And she pops up all the time. Oh, she, I, I think she just played um, Jeffrey Dahmer's mom in uh, the Ryan Murphy uh, Jeffrey Dahmer show. Oh, really? Yeah, and she was really good. Really good. She's, she's a good actress, but in this, like, just melodramatic, and I can only imagine that it, she was directed that way because I, I think they all were. And the guy that directed this movie, Peter Hyams, he did Time Cop. You're a Van Damme fan. Is Time Cop yeah. a good movie? I like me some Time... Well, no, Time Cop's not a great movie. <laughs> of, the Van, of the Van Damme oeuvre, it kind of falls in line with all the rest of them. He did End of Days. I want to say that's a Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah, we're probably going to do that one on this show at some point. It has been requested. He did a trippy movie called Stay Tuned with John Ritter. Oh God, I remember that. Where they yeah. go? Where they're they're going through different TV shows? Yeah, and, and that was supposed to be like a kids movie. I think that movie was trippy. <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing that on cable too. That was a that was a nutso film. So anyway, I don't know. It's not like this guy does 
Oscar bait, but uh, he's been around. I don't know. As far as a like a popcorn flick, okay, it's too long. Mm. It's too long, and well, it's got too much setup that doesn't even matter, right? I feel like they're just trying to kill time and set up this. Like you said, I mean, it, for what ends up just being a monster chasing people around. Yeah. And the monster chasing people around doesn't really make sense. You know, when you compare it to Jurassic Park, you know, you have these big, you know, you have like three or four big set pieces, but they all kind of flow and they all make sense. And, you know, as to where the dinosaurs could go and can't go, it's not like they just pop up around the corner. Ah, we're here, you know, mm-hmm. whereas this monster is just like that. Like one minute's in the sewers, one minute it's, it's in the big place. Next minute it's in the lab. It kills that guy in the wheelchair while the others are in another room next door and don't even notice it. <laughs> and I guess it's trying to be intelligent and sciency and whatnot because the, I think the director made a big deal about how you, if you can't scare people unless you know you get them intellectually. And so I can see it's really trying hard to like incorporate the superstition and the science and and the genetics and all this stuff in it. But I found it awfully confusing. Yeah. And then a little laughable, honestly especially when it comes down to this guy's in there. I just raised too many more questions for me, like, why? Why did this guy turn into a monster? And what was his end game? Why did he go yeah, to the museum? Yeah, that's it. I, no, but that's the thing. Like, right, why? The, because really the monster's only end game is it's hungry. Like, yeah. right? Like, it has to eat brains to survive. It's hungry for hypothalamus. Right, I guess, I guess, it, I guess it just felt... I guess it just felt more at home at the museum. I, I don't get it. Because it's not connected what? to that thing, or at least if it is. Why did it spare the other dog? I don't even understand that bit. I, Maybe I, it was full. Like... Maybe it tried a dog hypothalamus and didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit like, not eating dog again, that's it for sure. It spares Tom Sizemore at some point, too. Like... They have a little face-off, like they meet up in a hallway and just stare at each other for a second, and then it goes away. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I get Tom Sizemore has the power with his gaze. I don't know. Uh, rest in peace, Tom Sizemore. Uh, you're yeah. good. You're a fine actor. Amen. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it, please share it with a friend. Patreon.com slash Chainsaw Podcast, our website, our new Instagram channel, all that stuff. Until next time, I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. With two guys and a chainsaw. Chainsaw.